Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Tim McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're talking about how will the New Zealand election impact the property market. Now, some big news has gone on at the time of recording. Jacinda Ardern has just stepped down as the Prime Minister and we now have Chris Hipkins, who has been elected by the Labour caucus as our new Prime Minister in New Zealand. Now, how is both that change in Labour leader and Prime Minister and the election going to shape the property market? Now, here's what we're going to cover today. The likelihood of interest deductibility being removed, and Andrew and I are going to have a bit of a debate about this. We're going to talk generally about how elections shape the property markets and where the opportunities are. But Andrew, I know that there's something you wanted to say that's very close to your heart. Well, we just want to clear up that we're not a political show. And recently Ed did a post and he talked about the change in Prime Minister and how this might impact on the property market. He got some hate mail, didn't you? Well, there was a wee bit of hate. A wee bit of hate. People thought that we were pushing one side or the other. And actually, that's not true because we've never actually had a politician on this show because we don't want to give any kind of political guidance. You make your own mind up. But politicians do like to talk about property investors. So we do want to cover that topic on the show. It's a political football, so we've got to discuss elections because it matters for property investors. So the first thing we're going to talk about is interest deductibility and the Bright Line test. Now, as a bit of background, Labour has brought these policies in over the last kind of six years, and especially interest deductibility, that has hurt many property investors' cash flows. Now, here's the thing. If Labour is re-elected, these policies are likely to stay in place for at least another three years. If National is elected, these will likely come off. And if you go to the National Party website today, or the ACT Party website, given that those two would likely form a centre-right coalition together. Both parties state that it is their policy that they would remove those policies and change the Bright Line test. So what does Jacinda's resignation mean in terms of how likely or not these are to be removed? Andrew, you're going to argue one side of the debate. Cool. I'm going to argue that Jacinda Ardern resigning makes it more likely that interest deductibility will be repealed. So Jacinda Ardern was a vote winner, and according to the One News Cantar poll, she's still the preferred Prime Minister of 29% of people, so almost a third of people. Bear in mind, that was before she resigned. Correct. And she had a very high profile, and yeah, some people didn't like her, and there's a lot of people that do like her. And in my view, Labour has lost their best campaigner. Their second best was Grant Robinson, but he's decided not to put himself forward for that job. The simple question then is, is Chris Hipkin the vote winner that a doom was. Well, look. Well, I think it. you'd find his name was actually Chris Hipkins. And see, and I don't even remember his name. So, look, frankly, <laughs> I don't think so. So, I think the likelihood of Labor getting re-elected has dropped significantly with this change. And we've already seen Labor dropping in the poll. So, 18 months ago, Labor was polling about 48 percent in the Taxpayer Unions poll. Now it's down to about 32 percent. So, polling is consistently showing a centre-right government pulling ahead. Okay, okay. So you think the change of leader makes it less likely that Labour are going to get elected, more likely that interest deductibility would be repealed. Correct. More instability. Okay, well, I'm going to argue the opposite. I'm going to argue that Jacinda Ardern resigning makes it less likely that interest deductibility is going to be repealed. And I have two main reasons for this. First of all, Chris Hipkins in my mind, is more of a vote winner than you think. So I've been looking at the polling. I'm a bit of a political nerd, so I've looked at some polling from the Just Taxpayer. Just a nerd. 
<laughs> well, I've looked at this polling and shut your mouth because I've got something to say. According to this polling from the Taxpayer Union, Chris Hipkins makes it more likely that people will vote Labour. So what they did is they did a snap poll of a 1,000 potential voters around the country, and this was before he was elected by the Labour caucus as our new Prime Minister, and they looked at six different potential candidates. So they looked at Kerry Allen and Nanaya Mahuta and Grant Robertson, and they asked all of these people if this person, for example, Chris Hipkins, was voted the leader, would that make you more likely to vote Labour, less likely to vote Labour, or no change? And he was the only one out of the six people they asked about where more people said that he would make them more likely to vote Labour than the number of people who said less likely. All other leaders would have a net negative effect on Labour's polling. They'd go down in the polls. He was the only one where more people said, actually, yeah, I'd be more likely to vote Labour. How many more? About 7%. Okay. Now, bear in mind two things. First of all, just because somebody says it make you more likely to vote Labour doesn't mean they're actually going to. If you were going to vote, for example, national anyway, but, oh, actually, I don't think Chris Hipkins is that bad, so it would make me more likely to vote Labour, but am I going to vote for them? Maybe not. You see what I mean? But at the same time, let's say it was 7%. Let's say it was 3%. You don't need that many people in New Zealand to swing from one party to the other to have that much of a difference or in terms of being able to sway the election. I'll give you an example of what I mean. If you look again at that latest poll, the Labour Greens block is sitting at about 42.3%, National and Act at about 48%. So if you had a 7% swing from one side to the other, or say a 5% swing from National to Labour, and we saw the Māori Party get back in, you could easily have a centre-left coalition take power. And bear in mind that Chris Hipkins is also likely to change policy direction. He has already changed some of the way that he's speaking, the rhetoric to say, hey, I'm just going to focus on the economy because that's the big thing. So if he was to dump controversial policies, for example, Three Waters, co-governance, TVNZ, RNZ merger, those seem, from the polling I've looked at, to be the most unpopular policies. Of course, everybody listening to the show will have a different opinion, but those seem to be the ones that are more politically controversial. If he was to drop those, I think you could easily see Labour making a bit of a comeback, especially since the election is still nine months away. A lot can change. But I've got a surprise scenario. What if National gets in, but they don't change the policy? And this is actually something that I've been discussing with quite a few investors that I've been doing portfolio analysis on. We work out, you know, what does the interest deductibility look like by the time it's completely phased out and you're facing a higher interest rate than you were 12 months ago, 24 months ago, well, there is the possibility that National get in and then they think, well, we do need that revenue. And they don't actually change the interest deductibility rules or they don't change it right away. And look, Christopher Luxon was talking about scrapping the 39% top tax rate and campaigning hard on that. He's now pulled back. That is off the table. That is going to remain at this stage. So there is the possibility that National, yes, they get in, but then they don't change the interest deductibility rules or the bright line. Okay, so have I convinced you that maybe Chris Hipkins has a better shot than you thought? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I expected you to say no. Well, I mean, look, I think as of this morning, I thought he didn't stand a shot at all. You've convinced me that 
he's worth considering a worthy adversary for Luxon at this stage. Yeah, yeah. I have no prediction about who's actually going to win, but I think it's probably going to be closer than some people think. Yeah, that's what you've convinced me, that maybe it's a closer race than what I'm imagining. Okay, well, that's enough of interest deductibility. Now let's talk about people buying houses and how the election impacts that, because every three years, pretty much like clockwork, Property investors stop buying properties right before the election. Andrew, you've been in property for about 20 years. Have you seen that? Yeah, absolutely. And even if it's considered that we know what direction the voting's going to go, people stop usually a few months out because they just get worried about the uncertainty leading up to an election. And I anticipate one thing that's going to really impact that this year, and I saw it last time as well, is that you get some of the minor parties coming out, speaking very stridently, very strongly about policies that would really hurt property investors. So if we think about the previous election where we had the Green Party come out and they were advocating very strongly for a wealth tax where if you've got a net worth over a million dollars, you've got to pay 1% of that every single year to the IRD and anything over $2 million, 2% of that every year. So any of those policies, we'd expect to see things discussed like a rental warrant of fitness, maybe another wealth tax, some things that would hurt property investors. I expect that could start to spook people because they think, well, if they were to get in, even as a coalition partner, I don't know which of those policies might get implemented. Again, I'm not saying that the Greens are wrong. I'm saying that their policies would likely have a negative impact on property investors. And it's funny because having a certain but negative outcome is often better for people's confidence than having uncertainty, but a positive outcome potentially. Now, in some ways, I think there is a bit of an opportunity there because there will be some property investors who will sit there prior to the election being like everybody else is sitting on their hands, but if National wins the election, some of those hefty taxes likely to be lifted. So maybe if the polls are looking good for the centre-right government, they might think, okay, I'm going to buy now because if those rules are repealed, I expect more property investors to re-enter the market. That'll likely increase demand for housing. That could push prices up if it's less of a buyer's market than would otherwise be the case. So I think if the centre-right is looking strong in the polls right before the election, you will see the first effect you discussed, which is people pulling back. But you might see the other thing happen as well, where some property investors are saying, I'm going to buy now because if the rules do change, there's going to be an influx of demand. Yeah, it's been interesting. Just talking to people this last couple of weeks of being back in the office, I think there's a lot of really savvy investors coming out of the woodwork trying to snap up a deal at the moment because so many people are nervous. So some of the investors that kind of haven't done anything for the last few years are now looking for a good deal from a developer or, or a vendor because interest rates are high, banking's hard, the government's uncertain. We're now thinking, well, now's a good time to snap up a deal. Any other predictions about how the election's going to impact the property market? It'll be the same as it always is. That It'll slow down for a few months leading up to, and then it'll be game on, I think. And then prices will either go up, down, or stay the same. <laughs> right, let's wrap it up there. And please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. That really does help other people learn about the show. And hey, if you want to invest in property this year, you need to come along to this month's webinar. It is this Tuesday at 7pm, all about how to actually start your property investment portfolio in 2023. Easy way to sign up for that. Tap or swipe over the cover art. We link in the description or just go to opuspartners.co.nz slash webinar. 
Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Hibbert Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. I'm going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of using the property market. Until next time.